since the first one. We hope we've added a little more knowledge on DeKalb County and all that's happening over there to your day. Maybe you're a DeKalb County resident who likes to tune in with us every Tuesday for your little local news. I'm Maria Moreau, joined by Decaturish founder Dan Wisenhunt. Dan, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Maria. How are you? I'm fantastic. Excited for another day of getting into some of these topics. And I want to jump into this first one because this is something that Decaturish actually dug into and you guys have a major update on. Yeah, so there's a, a building in downtown Decatur called the Blair Building. It's a historic building. It's located behind Twain's restaurant. Can't miss it. It's a painted pink. And there are a few different therapy uh, doctors clinics uh, that operate out of that building, one of which is called QMed slash QueerMed, which is a gender-affirming care clinic. We heard about the fire from an anonymous source uh, on October 30th or October or uh, October 31st, and we went down to the building. We saw that there had been a fire. We didn't really know what it had targeted or much about it. And from the get-go, uh, it's been really hard to get information out of the city of Decatur, and still is, frankly, about what, what's going on with that fire. So we published a story, Decatur Fire, and the city confirmed it the next day. We were able to pull a records request that showed that the police were investigating it as a potential case of arson, and that the target was the uh, gender clinic. Fast forward uh, to this month, I haven't dropped this story. I continue to ask questions about it. I've asked for the police body camera footage and underredacted police reports. Those requests have been, have been denied. But I keep asking, you know, every couple of weeks just to see what's going on with the story. Last week, the city of Decatur, for the first time, confirmed that they do believe that the fire was intentionally set. They haven't identified any suspects in that case, so we don't really know how far along they are in that investigation, but this is the first time that they have acknowledged that they believe it's a it's a deliberate act. We learned today that the Washington Post, thanks to their story, uh, that Ken Paxton, who's the attorney general in Texas, Texas is kind of declared, you know, I don't know what the right word for it is, war on, on the transgender community and tra transgender affirming care. And instead of just prohibiting it in Texas, they're also going after clinics in other states um, to see if they're treating Texans who are doing telehealth or, or that sort of thing. So they sent a request to uh, a hospital in Seattle, uh, Seattle Children's, and apparently they sent a request to uh, Queer Med asking for certain records uh, that might pertain to uh, transgender care being offered to minors. The thing is, is that law in Texas, I believe, went into effect in September, the one that bans gender-affirming care. But the records request predates that law. Now, I want to be clear for the viewers that that request from the Texas AG came after the fire uh, that occurred. And it was in November. And then the Lizzie, uh, the doctor over there, Lizzie Lowell, didn't get the actual letter until December because her business had burn down. So that's really where everything stands. We, we still don't know a whole lot about where that case stands, whether they have uh, identified any suspects. I do know that the case is definitely solvable. There, there are a number of cameras in the area. We don't know if, if there have any, been any suspects identified, if it's more than one person. 
but we continue to put pressure on the city to release as much information as we can because we feel that that this story is important and affects a lot of people not just in our community but in other communities who depend on this service and i, I believe the last time we talked about the story i said words and, and the things that you say matter and when you hold a position of power it matters even more and i think what we've seen at the blair uh assuming that this is a hate crime which which all indications show that it probably is you know it just it just goes to hit that point home you know if you're in a position of power uh and you say things if you other people if you target marginalized people that has a trickle-down effect uh, and, and could result in people getting hurt, uh, which unfortunately appears to be what, what's happened in this case. And I just want to clarify, the Blair Building, this is a medical office. Uh, among the services they offer is gender-affirming care, but this is a fully functional building. It's not abandoned or somewhere out of the way. Mm -hmm. It's fully functional, and you mentioned to me earlier that they're cameras around their cameras around the building itself was undergoing a pretty extensive renovation uh, at the time that all this happened of course that set the clock back on that whole project as well but it's a thriving area of downtown decatur plenty of people uh, in the area there's there's plenty of cameras the, the case is solvable that's my understanding of it Typically with arson cases, they can be sensitive in determining um, where the investigation leads. Any guesses from yourself from following this so closely why it's been such a slow process? That's a great question. I really wish I had a better answer to it. I, I think it's important to remember that Decatur Fire is a, is a smaller fire department relative to DeKalb County, when you're dealing with an arson investigator, they're going to have to depend on the expertise of others. And then, of course, you've got federal and state involvement in this case as, where, a case as well. And the more people you have involved in a case like this, uh, it, can, it can slow that down. I, I am still, though, all that considered, I, I am a little surprised that we haven't gotten more information. Uh, we haven't gotten, you know, potential photos of the potential suspects. We haven't really gotten anything uh, and, and probably wouldn't have gotten anything had we not continued to press for it. And that, that part of it's a little strange to me. I, I, I would think in a city like Decatur, that would be a case they would be very eager to, to publicize and solve, but that's not what happened. That's and not what's happened. A good reminder for those of you that might have any information or might have seen something, investigators could always use your help if you could come forward. DeKalb County, uh, again, uh, this is what a building in a populated area, community building um, that offers medical services. So a lot of people impacted by this. Definitely not something that you hear about every day. And we're not going to let this story go. So for anybody in the, the city of Decatur, I believe I've got an, an email scheduled to go out at one. We're, we're not letting this go. We won't until we get more answers. So. Dan, I wanted to pick your brain on this story that I personally found fascinating. Take a look at this. These artifacts uh, from Emory recently returned to none other than Greece following an investigation into stolen or dubious, they're calling it, artifacts. What's your take on all this? Well, it's, it's a problem that affects more than just the Carlos Museum at Emory. There, there are a number of museums around the country that have pieces with questionable origins and there's a whole business if you will related to acquiring antiquities in less than 
uh, above board sorts of ways. I, I have a few. First of all, I want to say the story was written by Grace Donnelly, who's a who's a new contributor for us. She does great work. She's going to be a fantastic contributor to what we do. Uh, so Emory returned three items from the Michael C. Carlos collection to Greece after confirming that they were illegally acquired. And that comes about 15 years. These, these are not new questions. Uh, 15 years of questions about the artifacts and their provenance, um, primarily about the Greek and Roman collection. Uh, most of these artifacts were purchased in 2002 and 2003. Emory has a collection of about you know, thousand pieces from uh, Greek and Rome. And according to a story by the Chronicle of Higher Education, 218 of those artifacts uh, were tied to people who had either been indicted or convicted of illegally trafficking antiquities. So there's there probably will be more artifacts in the coming years that'll be uh, turned back over. But it's, it's uh, important to note that Emory uh, Carlos Museum has new leadership. That new leadership is is committed to uh, getting rid of some of these items in its collection, returning it uh, to their country of origin, if, uh, establishing agreements where they can display those pieces uh, in the museum. So Emory is, is under new management. The Emory Carlos Museum is under new management, and they're trying to uh, clean some of this up. In fact, we were invited. Uh, members of the press were invited to this announcement where they were going to uh, return some of these artifacts. The artifacts include a, a bathtub and a, and a couple of statues as well. Um, if you've ever been in the Carlos Museum, you've, you've probably seen it. So this is, this is a story that um, is local, but I would say it's not unique to Carlos Museum or Emory. There are a lot of collections around the country uh, that have artifacts that may or may not have uh, come into those collections uh, via legitimate means and, and now there's a lot more accountability than there used to be. There are a lot more people paying attention and asking questions and I think that there's a lot of emphasis on making sure when you do uh, display something from another country, another culture, that you're doing so uh, in cooperation and collaboration instead of uh, taking it and passing it off uh, as something that you acquired through legitimate means. So, you know, yep. good, good on Carlos for, for cleaning that up. Uh, but I would, again, emphasize that there, there are a lot of collections around the country that, that would have similar questions about them, I would think. Well said. And uh, honestly, the accountability to be able to say, this is the outcome of our investigation, investigation that's been going on since January of 22, by the way, by local FBI agents here in Atlanta, um, as well as uh, the museum and people who wanted to make things right. Um, and then just to talk about this artifact a little bit for a moment, this dates back all the way to the Iron Age and 7th century BC. So we talk about the historical significance of these artifacts and their importance and then being able to say we want to return it to its rightful owner. Uh, that's something that we can all get behind at the end of the day. So You know, I'm, I'm always thinking about the Roman Empire anyway, so now at least I have an excuse to do that. It's like tied to my job, uh, but I would be thinking about the Roman Empire in any case because that's just what we do. And this uh, is how Dan Wisenhunt ends up on the right. internet. Well, yes. you, you remember that whole meme where, where, where the lady asked her husband if, if he ever thought, he was like, oh, once a week. And Katrina asked me, my wife asked me that same thing, and I said, oh, at least once a week. And she was just shock but I'm a history nerd what can I say so uh, this story uh, is interesting to me on a, on a number of levels uh, but yeah so I'm actually thinking about 
the Roman Empire this week, but it's actually for work. Really, it's not just extracurricular it, thinking about the Roman Empire. Yeah, it makes sense. It actually time. applies to my job this week, so that's nice. It's good <laughs> when we can segue to interests, you know. Well, hey, here's something that interested me and probably a lot of people: DeKalb County's new water billing system. What in the world is going on with that? Yeah, that's a great question. I came into Decaturish at around the start of Michael Thurman's time as. CEO. I started Decaturish in 2013. He was elected a few years later. And the water system was a huge mess. And I was, I personally had experienced that as well. When uh, I first moved to DeKalb County, the way it worked is if you had an unusually high bill, that bill would get flagged and held. And so you just wouldn't get a bill. Well, the meters that they were using at the time, some of those are broken or inaccurate, so it caused a lot of bills to get flagged for unusually high usage. And over time, the work just kept piling up and piling up and piling up, and they couldn't clear it fast enough. So by the time Michael Thurman had taken office, water billing had become a full-blown crisis, and he was very direct and deliberate about addressing it. There's a lot of disagreement about how effective that was. He didn't go in and clean house at watershed or anything like that but he did uh, do deliberate uh, actions around communication around making sure that people knew where they stood with the water department uh, fast forward to last week last month people started getting their bills and they noticed that they had new account numbers and the county unlike other initiatives under the new day project that michael thurman initiated to deal with the water billing stuff um, the county didn't do any big communication around it. We didn't get a press release. People just got the bill and they started calling and they were on hold for an hour and they didn't understand why. And I was confused because I would have expected the county to, to get well ahead of this. And I contacted the county and said, hey, are you going to put out any kind of a press release or announcement? Kind of explain because I'm a water billing customer, too. I want to know what's going on. And they said, well, we're, we're really busy. What, what questions are you hearing? What concerns are you hearing? And I said, go look at your Facebook page. <laughs> you, you made the post. That was the only announcement they made was a, a post on their Facebook page. And it was just a slew of comments from people saying, I didn't know about this. I can't pay my bill. What am I supposed to do? It got the article we wrote got posted on Reddit, and a bunch of people on Reddit said, I would not have known about this had Decaturish not published this story, which great we're demonstrating community impact but also why didn't the county try to get ahead of this one thing i think is interesting about this story maria is because of all of the problems with water billing there are a lot of customers who had bills that were upwards of you know thousands of dollars who are on a payment plan according to the bills that went out to everybody those payment plans have been canceled and so I don't know if that means that they're going to have to establish a new payment plan. Or that, that part of it really hasn't been explained to me. The county did say that anybody who had problems paying their bill as a result of the confusion will have their late penalties waived. So I guess that's nice. But it's still a lot of questions about how this came about. But just to kind of give you one example of how weird water billing is in DeKalb County, a friend of mine owned a house in DeKalb County and owned it for five years, didn't get a water bill for five years called watershed they would not come out and connect it they would not mail him a bill so when he sold the house he had to have a rider on his contract that said 
if they come after me for all of this uh, bill bills that are due, you have to take care of that. I don't have to take care of that. And that is typical of the problems that we've seen with water billing, just inaccurate record keeping, bad communication. And it was a surprise to me, having watched this unfold under Michael Thurman's tenure over the last few years, it was a surprise to see uh, how little communication and, and public awareness they had done around uh, the new water bill, but they did just yesterday put out a full press release. They called it a new modern water billing system, but the problems sound pretty old and typical uh, to me. We'll see how it goes though. For the DeKalb County residents that are possibly hearing about this for the first time, given the press release just came out and not a whole lot of information was available beforehand, what do they need to take away from all of this now? Pay attention to your bill. <laughs> Pay to me. Make sure your bill gets paid. Uh, if, if, if if me personally, I would give it a month or two to sort it out. I'm not saying don't pay your bill, but if you go to pay your bill and you can't, keep records, keep receipts, keep notes on it. So when it does come time for you to pay, at least you've got a paper trail saying, hey, I did this. I called this person. I got this number. Whenever you talk to somebody at customer service at water billing, you know, ask him to give you a name, ask you to ask him to give you a support ticket number if you've got it. I, I hate that you have to do so much homework and something as simple as a water bill, but hey, this is DeKalb County. That's what we do. Uh, we make simple processes unnecessarily complicated. And so we're true to form on this. This should be easy, but we're adding all kinds of fun uh, bells and whistles to it to make it more complicated, which, hey, that's job security for me, so I shouldn't complain. I've got plenty of things to write about, but uh, that is what I would tell the average water consumer is just keep receipts, keep records, so if there's a dispute, you know, you're, you're not having to argue your side of it without any evidence. Yep, certainly, and I, I feel like that could be said for many things. Of course, mm -hmm. decaterish.com is a fantastic resource if you need to get caught up on some of this information as it's going to impact pretty much everybody in DeKalb County who's a water customer. Sure, everybody uses water. That's what I hear. I hear yep. it's quite popular. It is this a water. popular resource, yeah. yes, absolutely. Hey, this next part of our episode is called Talk of the Town. One of my favorite things to do is pick your brain on the stuff that people are talking about most, and this is a topic that has been in the social media, online, everywhere we can find it, relating to DeKalb County, and you've dubbed it Cheese Sandwich Gate. Cheese Sandwich Gate, that's my name for it. So, Zoe Seiler uh, broke the story, and I want to note that Zoe Seiler has been promoted to assistant editor of Decaturish. We're all very happy and proud of her. She's going to continue to grow in that role and help me uh, make this company organized, which God knows I need the help. But she and I had been actually kicking that story around for a couple of weeks as we had heard. And, and I want to make it clear for, for viewers, too, this is not new stuff. The, the way school lunch gets funded, this has been a problem for a long time. If balances don't get paid in this district and other districts, kids are either not served or they're offered uh, an alternative uh, meal of some sort. So we were a little shocked at how much traction this story had gained because it to us there was nothing new here it was just a different version of the same story yeah and uh, i want to talk about the update in case you haven't heard i'm sure you have it's been all over the news and all over social media but uh, those students that were fated to have cheese sandwiches, ungrilled cheese sandwiches, might I add, uh, served to them due to excessive unpaid debts. 
they no longer have to worry about that because of the generosity of not only the community, but just a, a single corporation that wanted to do its part. Yeah, Arby's of all places, uh, they, they have the meats and they have the money to pay school lunch debt. This and is they, not a sponsorship. That's not a sponsorship. I, I, I'm not personally a fan, but God bless them. They had the money uh, in, in store to uh, pay that off. There was a, another local good do-gooder. I want to make sure uh, I have her name. Uh, Jasmine Crow Houston did a GoFundMe and raised $80,000 in 24, 48 hours to pay this off. And what that told me is... The next time I do a fundraiser for Caterish, I'm going to threaten to replace all of the news with pictures of cheese sandwiches. And I bet you we'll, we'll get the money a lot quicker that way. I'm curious uh, what Reddit has to say about that I, one. That, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm interested as well. But, but people really, everybody wanted a little piece of this story. And we were surprised because, again, this isn't really a new new thing but for whatever reason the story just took off it, it was this close to being uh national news if they hadn't found some way to sort it out uh everybody is is frustrated i know city schools and decatur officials are frustrated by all the attention they got it got so bad it got so bad that decab county schools of all the schools in our area put out a statement saying, hey, we just want you to know we are not city schools of Decatur. We don't offer, people will eat if they can pay or not. And I don't know if they were responding to a real concern or if they were just not missing an opportunity to troll city schools of Decatur. Whatever the case was, normally I think DeKalb County finds itself on the receiving end of stories like these. So DeKalb County wanted, I, I'd heard that there were some radio hosts that were confusing the two. I didn't really see any evidence of that, but. For whatever reason, DeKalb County Schools felt compelled to put out their own statement that said, hey, we are not a part of city schools of Decatur. And that is just, wow, it's bizarre. But there you go. It, it's a story that just sort of took on a life of its own, and we were just along for the ride at some point. And the good news in all of this, a lot of families feeling financial relief, a lot of kids not having to worry about either dealing with shame or enduring an ungrilled cheese sandwich for lunch. Well, I believe on the last show I predicted that nary a grilled cheese sandwich or nary a cheese sandwich would be served in city schools of Decatur, and I was correct. I'm not going to take credit for it, but uh, I was correct. There will be no cheese sandwiches served anywhere in city schools of Decatur. There might be a cheese sandwich served at my house. I don't know. Uh, we do, you know, as a reporter, I have... Uh, great access to cheese sandwiches so we might we might have that for dinner one night who knows well let us know how your own uh, son reacts to the cheese sandwich he'll be thrilled he'll just I'm be sure delighted. He will. delighted Dan, won't complain this is a weekly episode we do we jump on here we catch you up on what's been going on in DeKalb County but for those of you that want to follow because the news never stops where can people connect with you well, go to decaterish.com. That's the main website. That's where you can get all the news for DeKalb County. If you want to keep up with this show, download the Atlanta News First app. It's got our show and it's got other great content from our partners in Atlanta News First. It's a great way to support Decaterish and Atlanta News First. Locallysourcednews.com is where you can sign up for our email list. You get the daily email, you get the events email on Monday, and you will get the Decatur Dish email on Friday, which will catch you up on all of the news uh, from the previous week. If you enjoy what we do and you want to become a financial supporter, please visit supportyourlocalnews.com and become a subscriber today. I won't make good on my threat to replace all the stories with cheese sandwiches yet, but I'm not going to rule it out. I would case. personally pay for you to do that for well, a little bit. 
you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see where it goes. We'll see where it goes. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll catch you next Tuesday at 1230 right here on Atlanta News First Plus.